according to one periodical, there's a, a new name for what you're feeling after 13 months of the twilight zone, essentially, in all of our lives. <laughs> yeah. We mentioned before, some people have gone into clinical depression or anxiety. Others have gone just the angry route. Christians in this category, all, all these categories. Yeah. I think also there would be the uh, another category of those who are just scared. And Still, you think? Um, or worse, I've talked to people recently who were just like, well, it's just about over. I mean, it's just America is just oh, yeah. about over. Yeah. Like, before you know it, okay. they're going to kill me because I love Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I, you're on the precipice of disaster. But there's this other category that's there now. And I want to see how we feel about this. And Ron is always the kind of like middle of the road dude. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see. <laughs> and th- this is called the, uh, the, the middle child of mental health. In some respects. Okay. Okay. So at first, someone writes, I didn't recognize the symptoms that we all had in common. Friends mentioned that they were having trouble concentrating. Colleagues reported that even with vaccines on the horizon, they weren't excited about 2021. A family member was staying up late to watch National Treasure again. Remember that old Nicolas Cage movie? Mm -hmm. Even though she knows the movie by heart. And instead of bouncing out of bed at 6 a.m., I was lying there until 7 playing words with friends. Wow. So they said, it wasn't burnout. We still had energy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't depression because we didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless. It turns out there's a name for that. The name? <laughs> what? Stop. I'm just saying. Can you imagine asking somebody, so how you doing? I'm over here. That sounds a little <laughs> melodramatic, right? What is It's actually a term in psychology. Maybe you're feeling it? We'll talk about it in just a minute. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. You know, we're in an odd stage of the pandemic. I did see yesterday the governor said that now if you are exposed to somebody with COVID and you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine. And as we get out of this, it feels like nobody can decide consistent expectations on right. what's right. You know, wear a mask, don't, da 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 It gets confusing. And there's a number of ways to respond to that, slash respond to the last, what are we in now? 13 months of life? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Right. Because we passed the one-year mark. Yeah, we sure <laughs> did. It's hard to believe. I mean, remember you were asking in March last year, you were like, can I go to Cedar Point? I know. I was still, I was like, tomorrow? okay, when's this going to be over? Is it over tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and, but, you know, here we are. And, you know, some people, I think, really, we all respond differently. Some people fell into, I think, kind of like a depression of sorts. Some people clinically. Yes. And in fact, uh, mm. we talked about it all last year. Even Dr. Steven Gersovich talked about it, the way that mental health was just well, yeah, yeah, being even. affected. And I haven't told you this, but I went to the dentist for somebody at my house. And he was talking to me about... The rocket, like I'm saying, it it just skyrocketed in the last several months. Mm-hmm. People clenching their teeth. And he's like, I'm talking about people that have never had yeah. a history of this. Wow. In the last several months, 
it's like happening. And he's like, I'm talking about in the hundreds, just in my in my practice. And so again, it's different ways that our body manifests stress. A lot of these people don't even re- like. They're not the people that are thinking, oh, I'm depressed, I need counseling. Yeah. But your body has different ways of, of sending signals. Yeah, a, a friend of mine all of a sudden is having consistent heartburn, which has been a thing for me over the years. And I discovered after a number of different doctor visits and scans and such that it was totally psychosomatic. Now, if you're not familiar with that phrase, it's the idea that there are no physical reasons for your physical discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's a result of emotional slash mental struggle. Yeah. So my stress was causing a physical symptom. It's psychosomatic, wow. which is really maddening sometimes to even think about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think there was another uh, reaction to the pandemic uh, and all we went through. There was a group of people that didn't get depressed. They just got real mad. Yeah. And they spent 13 months being mad at everybody. Yes. Mad at doctors, mad at science, mad at Christians, mad, mad at masks. Mad at clerks, mad at like ice cream shop, high mm-hmm. school kids working. Oh, remember? remember that? Yes. Yeah. This and crazy. the manager was like, please stop yelling at my teenagers that are working here. Yeah. They're just trying to give you ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And follow the law. And there's still people that are mad. Yeah. And there's people who, like if they're told to wear a mask when they enter a store, there was these two women who stabbed the poor guy 22 times. <laughs> oh, yeah, this my terrible. goodness. Just because he said, no, you can't come in if you don't wear a mask. Oh. Yikes. And then you that look, wasn't in Ohio, though. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Because yeah. that's extreme. But but there's plenty of people who put the mask on, but the whole time they're clenching their teeth, like you know, talking yeah. about. They're angry about it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is there's, uh, according to some psychologists, there's actually another category of response slash feeling. Maybe Ron has felt this. Hmm. We've got I don't know. Here. Ron got his life together. I don't think he's. It, it seems anything. like Ron would be in the midst of some sort of nuclear apocalypse. He'd be like, "I feel pretty good." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I slept through it. Woke up, read the thing. It was like, "Well, I guess I'm okay." <laughs> a little warm today, but right. other than that, <laughs> my skin feels a little melty. <laughs> uh, but anyway, in just a couple of minutes, it's an interesting concept that I think we can analyze as followers of Christ that. You may not fit the category of you've been angry for a year or part of a year or you've been depressed, but maybe you're this. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. So rather than tiptoe, because I'm not good at that, or dance around it, because I certainly can't dance, I'm going to be direct. We need your money, your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. So again, a lot of people are responding differently over the last 13 months, but there was a category of people who are like, well, I'm not angry. I'm not depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of, I'm not burned out. I still have energy. What one periodical is claiming that psychologists say is the middle child of mental health, which I kind of like that 
phraseology yeah. is something called languishing. So what I want to do is help us define this and then talk about, for those who are followers of Christ who might feel a sense of this, like, what do you do? Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. In psychology, we think of mental health on a spectrum from depression to flourishing, the person writes. Uh, flourishing is the peak of well-being. You have a strong sense of meaning, mastery, and, and mattering to others. Depression is the valley of ill-being. You feel despondent, drained, and worthless. Languishing, again, is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing. It's the absence of well-being. You don't have symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. It appears to be more common than major depression, and in some ways, it may be a bigger risk factor for mental illness. I want to get Ron's initial response to this because you're the, you're the guy that's usually doing fine. Yeah. Um, I can see some of that languishing times. Personally? That, yeah. Whoa. I know. What? Sorry. I don't mean to <laughs> take joy in your suffering. He's but. not all perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us more, Ron. Wow. Um, Lay down the couch here. Tell us. Yeah. Oh, look at you helping take Ron. Notes. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's times that that you're just going through, like you've got the things you've got to do. I got to get up. I got to go to this job. Then I got to go to that job. Then I got to go home, and I've got to take care of you know a few items around the house. That some are changing, and some are always the same. And you just go through your cycle. And if there's not a lot of change in any of that, you can kind of get into the rut and just be like, okay. And that, that's fine. I, I do good in ruts, but <laughs> <laughs> I am a rut, you know, I, live in the... <laughs> I like big ruts and I cannot lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but besides that, oh, sir, <laughs> they, um, they hit on some things there, like the foggy windshield, I think is how they described yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes there's that, that you're like, where is this going, you know? Well, yeah, uh, because there aren't those those unexpected or fun things you're looking forward to on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there might start to be now, but you really ultimately, I think rut's that good thing where you're in a rut, you're not depressed about it, but it certainly isn't exciting. Right. It's not like bad things happening to you. It's just that you're not in an income level where you can just take off and do whatever you want. You have to keep going to to work every day or, or bad things will happen. <laughs> and, and then I think you also have a sense of like, I'm not like super great mentally right now, like in my mental health. You're not like, oh, it's a great day. Mm-hmm. You're not at the peak of your mental health. Right. Wow, Ron is something. Ron yeah. is, I think, poor Ron is languishing. You need yeah, a hug, buddy? I, you all right? Are you all yeah. right? I would give you a hug, but you know, I'm over here. <laughs> COVID this, and all. Yeah. It's oh, <laughs> like, stay over there. Oh, um, Ron. It's interesting, though. I, I, I hear some people almost seem like they remember a time when, when they were at their peak. And so they're doing anything they can to try to get there. Yeah. And, and they almost depress themselves 
because they're at 80% and not 100%. Yeah. When that 100% may have been like when they got engaged or, you know, some event that is not going to happen every single day. And it's like, don't chase that dream. It's a folly. Be happy where you're at in the rut. (laughs) (laughs) This this particular article says part of the danger is that when you're languishing, you might not notice the dulling of delight or the dwindling of drive. And I think, Ron, you're talking about some people would notice it. And then that makes Mm -hmm. it worse when they're trying to scratch out of the out of the rut. Right. But in this case, some people may not even totally notice it. You catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. You're indifferent to your indifference. When you can't see your own suffering, you don't seek help or even do much to help yourself. Even if you're not languishing, you probably know people who are. Like you're hearing this and you're going, yeah, I think my husband is languishing or I think my kid is languishing. Understanding it can help you help them and even yourself. So what's interesting, I think, and what I'd like to do is there's some suggestions here in a secular sense. And I'll tell you the, the source now, because if I often, there's some people, if I tell you the source right away, you just go, ah, it's fake. You know? <laughs> it's the New York Times, which is biased, but I thought this article was helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just lost like 12 people. Was like, oh, <laughs> so this article has some suggestions on what to do and how, what psychologists say you do if you're languishing. And then I want to kind of get into like, what, do, what are our spiritual practices we do when we're languishing, mm-hmm. when we're not super depressed, nor are we super joyful. We're just kind of bleh. Mm-hmm. And we know we are. What do you do spiritually to get out of that? Well, it's not burnout because you still have energy. It's not depression because you don't feel hopeless. But you feel somewhat joyless and aimless. And you're kind of zoning mm-hmm. out, getting stuck in a routine. I'm sorry, what did you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aww, Ron's struggling. Uh, so it turns out there's a name for that, according to psychologists in a recent article in the New York Times. It's languishing. That's what you are. You're languishing. Now, what do you do about it, though? Yeah. There's some psychological recommendations. I know I have some things I've learned in counseling what to do in situations like that. But also, what would the scripture teach us to do right. in times where we're languishing? Somebody texted to say, oh my goodness, thank you. Now I finally have a name for what I feel. Yeah. Oh. We have a listener texting in that's saying, what myself and many people I know feel about this COVID situation is, we're so over it. Just saying. Would you add that to the description of of languishing in the context of 2021? Yeah. In fact, the person goes on to say languishing is a good term. Yeah. And we didn't express it that way. Yes, I'm glad this person texted. We don't have your name. I'm sorry. But yeah, we're so over it. So you have, in, in one sense, this like exasperation, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And so you end up languishing. Mm-hmm. We're over it, but then it's still the question of, should I be over it? Like, are we good? Because to say we're over it, and it's like, oh, yeah, the pandemic last year, oh, man, I'm so over it, and we're done, would give me kind of like a more stable kind of conclusion. Okay, good. It's behind me. Let's move on. But We can't yeah. feel that yet. Yesterday I was at Lakewood Park mm-hmm. and people were there and it was like more people than last, like a few months ago should right. have been there, but it was good. But I looked at my sister and I'm like, I mean, I guess we're good. And then she looks at me, she's like, everybody else is good. Like, <laughs> are we okay? You know, it's that in-between feeling of like, are we going to be all right? And what's going to happen in the next couple of months? And so it prolongs that feeling of languishing because you can't really, it's no, there's no conclusion yet. 
It, because you can't say we're over it in the sense that, okay, now I've decided I'm over You can't go like, wow, yeah. this cancer, I'm so tired of that. Yes. I'm over it. Yeah. Right. When it still lingers. It's, yeah. It's not over you. It, uh, right. Yeah. It's not, and that's where we are, I think, with society and how it runs. And so the key, though, I think, is to figure out what do we do about it? Your husband, Len, I think, has some some good advice, generically speaking, where he'll go like, you know what? It's just part of life. Yeah. Be- and he and I compliment each other in that way. And I've talked to Julie Slattery as a friend about it because I'm the one that's like, OK, I need a label. Good. OK, so we have one. I'm languishing. I got to do something. Who do I talk to? What do I read? I'm very much about we got to deal with this. He helps me and says, Janelle, life is a journey. He does it with marriage and life and all that. He'll just say, just chill. Like, you're not always going to feel joyful. This is just a time you're languishing. Just chill out and just feel it, and you'll be out of this at some point. And yet, God bless Len, that feels a little dismissive. It does, but doesn't my take feel a little intense? Because Ron felt that a little bit where he was just like, it's good. Like, you feel that we're good. Yeah, but I the both feel incomplete in some measure. You're yeah. saying like they're not quite working. Yeah. And so here's what's fascinating, and this is let's see what we think of this. Psychologists find that one of the best strategies for managing emotions, like languishing, is to name them. Yeah. Okay. For you to say, sit down somewhere, mm-hmm. and for a follower of Christ, you just go, Jesus, I'm languishing. Own it. Don't try to get out of it. Don't try to hide it. Or set it aside or just go, well, it's just part of life. No, go, you know what I am? I'm languishing. And the labeling also helps because there's a part of this that I'm feeling with languishing and it's showing up in different ways. Before recognizing, wait, this could be like we're saying languishing and understanding where it's coming from. Helps me not look at it and say, am I doing something wrong? Am I like slipping, whether it's at home or at work? When you label it, I think it helps you understand the root cause and and assign it the way you should so that you're not adding to the stress that's all already kind of stressful. Yeah. And in fact, to add a layer to that, I, uh, well, I learned something in counseling recently that I thought was pretty helpful where <laughs> we essentially have three choices when we have a feeling. Okay. Let's just, in this case, languishing, or let's just say you're sad. Yeah. Just picking a feeling word. Choice number one would be what one expert called implosion. You just kind of deny it, but you stuff it inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super unhealthy. You're going to start to see some physiological reactions. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to start to show sideways emotions towards people. So implosion is one option number one. Option number two, explosion. Oh, yeah. You're feeling sad. So what you do is you yell at the kids. You kick yeah. the dog. You you scream you at people with masks. You go on Facebook and, yeah, screaming off on Facebook. <laughs> right. No, true. Yes. That's explosion. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, implosion, explosion. What could possibly be the third thing? The third thing, and I was irritated that it was so obvious, but so elusive. Feel your feelings. Hmm. Hmm. So you can implode it. You can just stuff it in. You can explode it out. Or you can just go, you know what? I'm going to feel this. Yeah. I'm not going to try to stuff it. I'm not going to try to ignore it. I'm not going to try to get out of it. Yeah. I'm going to sit down in it. I'm going to get in the in the rut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to sit down. I like that. Isn't that profoundly simple? Mm-hmm. It's saying to the person grieving the loss of a loved one, "You're sad. You know yeah. what you should do? You should feel sad." Yeah. Right. But how often do we avoid that? 
we go, I, I can't feel this right now. I don't want to feel this right now. I, you know what I do when I'm feeling something? I caught myself, but I, I just do, I get busy. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, I think I'm feeling nervous. I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Or I'm feeling sad. I'm going to go in the garage. And I'm going to make something. Yeah. And what, what I'm doing is I'm basically imploding. I'm not feeling a feeling. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And so psychologists say, how do you deal with a feeling? Is you actually feel it? Yeah. You've said something in the past that reminds me of this, that you have like some playlists for uh, when you're feeling sad, you can play melancholy songs and yep. just let that feed the sadness. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's one more layer that my Christian counselor gave me that I think Christians can use when they're feeling languishing. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of the surprise from my counselor where she'd just look at me and go, that's sad. And just sit there and look at me. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) But there's a layer you add as a follower of Christ, I think has been super helpful to me. And there was one little brief passage of scripture in the Psalms Mm -hmm. that uh, helps, I think, Christians in a, in a deeper way. Because, you know, Jesus loves us so much, he died for our sins. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a deep, deep love. So what can we do besides just name our feelings? Go, you know what? Okay, I'm languishing. And I've, you might, oh, tell Jesus you're languishing. Okay, yeah, tell him you're languishing. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm languishing. But the way I would say that we can do something even more is that we can invite Jesus to be with us in our let's just call it pain. And I turn to, and I've spent a lot of time this year, Psalm 34, verse 18. The New Living Translation says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Hmm. But listen, he's close to the brokenhearted. I mean, it's like you picture yourself sitting on your bed sitting on the edge of your bed, saying, Lord Jesus, I am languishing. And just as you're praying to him, picture him sitting there right next to you with his arm around you. Yeah. Yeah. He's close to you. Mm -hmm. He's close to the languishing. He's close to the brokenhearted. The next verse, verse 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. He's going to rescue you if you just invite him in. Jesus be with me. And then, so what? Maybe you start crying. I don't know. Great. Go cry. Jesus is with you. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted. And when you're doing that, you're, it's that beautiful thing about the Christian life is that you're not alone. Yeah. The person without Jesus is having to feel their feelings in isolation and wait for their next counseling session. You got Jesus there right next to you. He's with you. That in and of itself has been a game changer for me in how I interact with my kids. Now, I don't know if you do this, Janelle, or you did this, Ron, mm-hmm. but when I see my kids feeling something, because kids feel things out loud a lot more than adults do. Like they're, they feel sad or they feel angry. You know what I would typically do? Mm-hmm. Try to change that feeling. Yeah. Oh, you're feeling sad? Oh, cheer up. It's been a, right. don't, don't forget all the happy times. Yeah. Or, or you're angry. Oh, but let's make you laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, tickle, ha <tickle>. ha. <laughs> Did you ever spend time trying to change your kids' emotions? Especially angry. I struggle with with seeing the kids angry, especially because my oldest, the girls don't struggle as much. My oldest four are boys. And anger in boys 
to me makes me fix it because I'm always like you cannot grow up like you gotta manage your emotions Mm -hmm. you know angry men like it leads to sin like I focus on that a lot and anger in boys can look a little scarier than in girls so I struggle more with anger and we've talked about before how anger especially is a secondary emotion oh yeah and understanding more and more of anger makes me feel bad that I've done and I haven't handled it better because not only letting them feel angry, but helping them discover, let's talk about why you're angry. Now, obviously, I have to address, because there's been things that happens because they're angry. Right. I have to address, okay, we can't do this, but let's talk about why you're angry and all that. Well, and, and, and addressing the secondary part in terms of let's, let's, let me train you to find out kind of like what your anger is communicating like there's something behind that that's that's good yeah i mean we can help them ultimately name their emotions yeah. right psychologists say the first and healthy thing to do is to name the emotion but i think part of the issue is we don't know how to do it we've right. been trained which is why we have to, to do it we have yeah. to, to do this exercise and remember if we're followers of christ too we one of the ways we inter- introduce our children to jesus is we are a model of Christ to our children, yeah. right? And so if it's healthy for us, if science and scripture tell us that you got to name how you feel, David did it all the time, and you just have to invite Jesus to be with you in your pain because he's near the yes. brokenhearted, you can translate that to your kids. So I've tried That's something right. that seems so simple, but it's, I think it's made a difference. You know, Let's say a kid is angry. I go up to the kid, I go, it seems like you're angry. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, you know, my brother told me I'm a dummy. Mm-hmm. I'll go, oh, hmm. you know what? That would hurt my feelings. Does that hurt your feelings? Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah. Let me give you a hug. I'm not doing anything yet. Yeah. I mean, eventually I'm going to try to talk to the brother. Don't call your brother a dummy or, you know, whatever parents have to do. But it's the, I'm not going to rob you of your emotional moment. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to help you name it. And then I'm going to be there with you in it. Yeah. I'm going to be near the brokenhearted. I'm going to put my arm around you and say, it's so hard to be angry. That's not fair that that happened, is it? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that that happened. I get angry too. And now you're allowing it to happen. It feels weird to do it because I'm so used to trying to change it. I do that to myself. I try to change how I'm feeling immediately. Yeah. And there are healthy ways. That's why it's tricky. It's important to understand in terms of sitting on it. What does it look like to sit in your emotions? I think sometimes we need help with that. But I was going to say, even with healthy, some people say, well, I work out when I'm sad or when I'm stressed or I call my friends. Like those are healthy ways to handle emotions, you know, but it could still get in the way of, no, before you do that, sit in them. Because if you're talking to somebody that's like, well, I just overeat, that's easy. It's like, oh, no, we'll fix that. What do you tell people that handle it in healthy ways? You, you've got to find your way to feel it. And so yeah. for, for me, what's worked, uh, being a musician, music is really one of those things that speaks directly to my soul. You know? Oh, yeah. And Ron hinted at this earlier. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm not afraid to admit it because I think real men are willing to cry. So when I've felt negative or sad emotions of some sort, I'll go in my room, close the door, turn the lights off, put in my headphones, yeah. play some worship music. And let the tears roll. Yeah. 
and like be there. And it's a deeper way for me to remember the Lord is with me. Mm-hmm. And I found I'll find worship music that actually sends that message in the music. Yeah. That it, it, you know, like one of them, it is well with my soul. Like when sorrows like sea billows roll, yeah, it's mm-hmm. well with my soul. Why? Because the Lord's with me. And so I've got the music speaking to my soul. I'm telling the Lord how I feel and inviting him to be there with me. And I'm yeah. just sitting in it for a minute. I'm not trying to change it. Yeah, I like that. One of the ways, my favorite ways, we have uh, great models in the Bible of men and women, especially men, sitting in their feelings. And Psalm is a perfect example. David kind of talking about his feelings with the Lord. And journaling for me is that, you know, and really not naming, but like talking about what's hurt me and why and how I feel. And when I journal, it's like a a prayer. It's It's a letter to the Lord. And it helps me see, because I think I was talking to Kelly, how women struggle. Like, we're in our feelings a lot. It's almost the opposite uh, of what we were talking about, with some people are uncomfortable with feelings. And I'm in my head a lot. And so to put it on paper and to, to make it a conversation with the Lord versus with myself helps me, number one, put scripture around it and, the, and invite the Lord into it. But it also avoids the spiraling down. Because when you're in your head, you feed those feelings, you know? So I, I, that's I one way I kind of sit in it and just, and sometimes it could be one incident and many journal entries, like many days about the same thing. Well, but I mean, it's, I, I, I would break it down even more simple than that. Then sometimes when we, what we think is sitting in our feelings is actually us trying to diagnose the feeling and blame someone for it. Yes. Like wow. I'm feeling so... Uh, unheard and invisible because my husband won't do this. My husband, Jesus, my husband is terrible. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. You know what it would be? It'd be like, you know what? I feel sad and it's okay yeah. that I do. I'm going to let myself be. I'm not going to try to blame anybody else for it. I'm going to just accept the reality in which I am. I like maybe for you, it's just, I'm languishing. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame masks or <laughs> the governor or your neighbor or the store or whatever. Just, you know, you're languishing. It's okay. That's how you're feeling and the Lord will meet you there. Again, Psalm 34, 18 has been just something that's helped me. Maybe it'll help you too. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m., interact with us, talk with us, download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, the ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep.